This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is Jordan Moorhead here, and I have Ryan Kelly with me here today. We are going to do a market update. We're going to look back at the last 18, 19 months. We're going to look at what's happening right now, and then we're going to talk about what we think might happen going forward. Of course, nobody knows. Just for a quick intro, though, Ryan Kelly and I are both investors and real estate agents at Keller Williams Realty here in Austin, Texas. I would say we're both very active real estate agents and we work with a lot of investors too. So we have a good handle on what's going on in the market. And we will try to decipher that for you so you can better understand it here too. Thank you so much for coming on here today, Ryan. I really appreciate it. It's been a while. Glad to be here, Jordan. Yeah. And it's a rainy day, so good to be inside too. Absolutely. I know. I think we're about out of the rain here for a bit, but that's it's a great metaphor. Sounds like a, I was just going to say, that sounds like a great metaphor for the conversation. Yeah. And, and really quickly, just to recap, I know we've been talking before we started the podcast here. Uh, the peak of pricing in Austin it happened right at the same time at the when rates started to go back up and the peak of pricing in the best we can tell with the data we have was the end of may 2022 and like you said before we started here ryan the the median sales price in may of 2022 was five hundred and fifty thousand. today we're down around four hundred and forty three thousand for the median sales price so We've lost a fair amount, um, 15 to 20% over the last 18 to 20 months. And like we talked about before, too, like you can't say everybody's house has lost 15 to 20% because some absolutely haven't at all. You know, right. it's so different. It's each different neighborhood. It's each different asset class. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, we both sell a lot of duplexes. I saw duplexes really hold their price very sticky through 2022, um, drop a little bit into 2023. But as as a whole, they've held price better than a lot of single family homes. I'd say that's true. And uh, and just to put it in context, as how much of a roller coaster, you know, we can't talk about the down in price from 2022 without talking about the up. Mm-hmm. in price from probably 2012 through 2022. Yes, uh, I was even I was even looking at numbers. So, you know, if you go back to just 2020, not that long ago, it seems like it's hard to even remember <laughs> yeah. pre-pandemic, right? But, you know, the beginning of 2020, Austin's median home price was about $300,000 for the market. Yeah. And so we went from 300000 in maybe 28 months to five fifty. So Austin almost doubled in price. Mm-hmm. That's about 90% appreciation in 28 months. Now, I don't know who else <laughs> thinks that's normal, but I definitely, you and I knew that was 
even the spring of 2022, when rates were still low at the time and were getting ready to go up, I, it just felt completely unsustainable. So I, I think there was, you just didn't know how it was going to react. But once the rates went up, Austin needed to course correct. Uh, we did. And I think the rates not only going up at the speed they did, course corrected Austin faster than some other markets because of how much we had appreciated in that short amount of time. But also it it affects other industries that Austin kind of makes their money off of, like tech. And so, you know, when you raise interest rates like that, it affects tech companies a lot because all their money is borrowed and it's investor money. Uh, and so there were a lot of layoffs and, and hiring freezes. And, you know, you and I have tech clients and those clients, yeah. even if they're employed, you know, if things aren't looking that good at work or everybody's working from home and you're not sure, they're going to be a little less likely to pull the trigger on a nice big house price uh, and and buy a property. So that those two things, I think, are what affected, you know, our market specifically, interest rates, everybody. Uh, but I think there's some signs now, you know, so we went up 90 percent. We gave back 20. We're, I can tell you right now, we're still up a pretty hefty chunk off the beginning of 2020. So if you bought a house then and kept it now, three and a half, four years later, you know, you're still up over 50% from that time. Yeah. And and I think the whole the ZERP area, the zero interest rate, uh, you're getting investor loans at three and a half percent. I think I personally think that's a good thing that that's over because it it led to a lot of speculation it's it doesn't teach people to be good investors you know you're essentially just all speculation you're saying i'm going to buy this and it's going to go up in value that's not investing in my opinion um not that we created, we don't benefit from it but yeah i was going to say it's also created a new problem and mm. the new problem is you, me, and everybody. Well, not me anymore because I just bought a new house at seven point five percent. So I'll be me too. refinancing. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. too, actually. So you know, <laughs> but you know, for those that haven't pulled that trigger, most people out there, and you, everybody's heard this. They're all sitting on three and four percent interest rates, two percent mm -hmm. interest rates. They're just not going to be that eager to sell. And so, even though Austin looks like it has a decent amount of inventory. I think some of it is phantom inventory because it's new construction. It's going to sell pretty quick. It's going to go away. <clears throat> what we're not seeing is regular home buyers and sellers bring their properties to market as much as they did before. Mm -hmm. And so the reason it looks like more inventory is we just simply didn't have a lot of buying activity. The demand side had dropped off a lot. But if demand comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if this market tightens up a little bit. And so because I just don't think I'm not feeling this wave of sellers that that have to sell because they're in some sort of distress. Uh, I, I feel like you're still going to have your regular buyers and sellers, but the sellers are still sitting on those low rates. And so they're just until rates get much lower. And I don't know how far that's going to go, but I would say they've got to get, you know, to a point where those sellers feel like it's worth it to trade up. And I think that's still we're just still not at that point yet on the listing side yeah and i and that's a great point a lot of the people that are selling today i got a great i feel like i got a great deal on the house that i'm in right now because they were not living in the state anymore and they needed to sell this home it yeah. wouldn't they couldn't rent it they had problems renting it, it there's lots of issues there that i'm not going to go into but like you said a lot of people are sitting on these really low rates in the threes or the twos which i don't think we're ever going to see again 
and they might be in those homes for a really long time. But, you know, if we look at, you mentioned inventory, we look at inventory right now, we're around three months of inventory. Um, I think we got down to 0.3, set in spring of 21 or spring of, I think it was oh, spring yeah. of 21. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. We got to zero listings in Cedar Park, six listings yeah. in Pflugerville. I mean, it was like everybody Nothing. showed up at the same listing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how tight it got at one point. But uh, yeah, I mean, I and they'll tell you historically healthy, you know, a healthy market would be three, four, five months of inventory. Yeah. Six months, they say, is balanced. I personally don't believe that. I think six months is this buyer's market at that point. But I would say if you're at three or four months, theoretically, that's a pretty balanced market. Buyers can see properties in real time. Most Mm -hmm. properties in 2023, you and I can attest, are took a lot longer to sell because there just simply wasn't a lot of buyer demand. And in full disclosure, we still have some listings on the market that we listed last year that are still, uh, you know, trying to sell and get that right price, get the right buyer in there. So. But what we're seeing is I think that trend is slowly shifting as A, now prices have come down for 19 months. And now for the first time, buyers can clearly see that rates are coming back down. I don't think they're going to come down quickly, but that doesn't matter as long as buyers have a belief that they're going to come down and not go up. You know, they don't want to, you know, people don't want to catch that falling knife as the old saying. And so, you know, but it's not going to fall anymore. If rates come down, that's going to help boost uh, demand and hold up prices. That creates more optimism. And I think that's what's going to drive more buyers in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think just again, just to recap, we saw prices go down for about 19 months. The last few months, we had very low buyer demand, just like you're saying, Ryan. I mean, we had properties sitting on the market. They were priced great and they looked great. There was no reason they wouldn't have sold in it any sort of normal market and it felt like the end was near but at this last fed meeting and again by no means are ryan and i economists by no means are we lawyers attorneys uh mortgage loan officers any of that stuff but everybody pays attention to the fed meetings now which is hilarious because three four five years ago nobody paid attention to the fed meetings but when the fed meeting happened this last time and they said they probably weren't going to raise rates and they might lower rates in the next year. Interest rates took a dive and then buyers kind of showed back up. So interest rates at the time were close to eight. You said you just bought at 7.5, Ryan. I just got it at 7.35. Uh, I got the 2 1 buy down paid for by the seller. So for the first year, of course, it's a lot lower. Next year, it's lower than that. Um, but there was there was nobody in the market and it seemed like middle november to end of december which shocker thanksgiving to christmas there was nobody in the market thanksgiving to christmas and really high interest rates nobody was coming and it seems like the new year hit and everybody showed back up um and that's right and we I have think- a lot of listings that went under contract just the first sec or second week of the new year I think that is surprising people. And I think it's one of the reasons 
you and I like to keep our clients up to date as kind of often as we can, because mm -hmm. if they're just reading the news or they're just looking at this old data from 2023, they're probably still assuming it's ice cold and there's not any activity. But I can tell you, uh, and, you know, not only you and I talking to each other, but you talk to any agents out there, especially those that are hosting open houses, they have listings. Yeah. Um, you talk to the mortgage lenders right now, they'll tell you the applications are up. And so it's not a pandemic demand fueled crazy level of buyer activity, but it is a noticeable step up from what we saw in the second half of 2023. And it's only January. So yeah. my belief is the real spring market really starts kicking in in high gear by mid to late February. And it runs through about mid-June. And so if you look at a chart in Austin, a normal year, not pandemic years, but normal years, the price goes up January through June. It kind of flatlines June to July. And then the rest of the year, it softens some. And then what happens is, but by the end of the year, it's still up from where you started. And that's appreciation. And then you climb another you know, stair step. And so I think this will be one of those years where we're really testing that theory. Are we back? to post-pandemic, regular year, good, solid, you know, normal uh, seasonality mm -hmm. in the yeah. market. My prediction is yes, uh, but but we're going to have, as long as we don't have a recession. But if we don't have a recession, I think the, the winds are looking pretty good to have a traditionally okay year where not a lot of appreciation, but, you know, three, four, five percent. I wouldn't Healthy be surprised. Year. Exactly. And, and I like what you said there, just to, I want to go back to what you said earlier. Um, if you're reading news media or corporate media, I've noticed, and I'm sure you have too, Ryan, they are typically a couple months in the rears with their data. If you want to stay up to date, you know, follow Ryan and I on social media, uh, follow the Austin Board of Realtors, follow Texas National Title, follow people that are putting out up to date data. So you can actually understand where the market is, because if you read CNBC or, you know, any sort of other media outlet that's talking about economic data, especially housing economic data, and then especially even if you talk about local, like even Austin Business Journal, I'm kind of surprised that they're way behind the eight ball on a lot of this stuff. They're really far behind a lot of times on this stuff, and they have more up to date data than that. But they'll say, oh, you know, housing market looking glum. And I said, yeah, it was a year, a month or two ago. Um, right. And it absolutely was. So I, I know we could both agree. May through the end of last year, we had no idea interest rates were going to keep going up. I remember I did a podcast in August of 22 with Jeremy Knight. And we said, yep, five and a half, about the peak of where we're going to see interest rates. They're not going any higher. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to go higher. And that's why I know I don't really know. But right. we saw them get up to eight a couple times towards okay. the end of last yeah. year. And now they're down in the mid sixes, and mid to high way, sixes. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire.
that eight percent was for primary home buyers. Exactly. You That's a scary part. I talked to a part. lot of investors, and yeah. we're like, that DSC home loan is going to be touching ten percent. You know, like it's it's not going to be a great mm -hmm. rate, and that kills a lot of deals on the investing side. Still very difficult, but I would say, you know that. That's so true. The other thing, too, is most of the data that people are looking at is lagging, meaning you have yeah. to wait for the house to close and then it creates a exactly. closed sale and then you get data. Whereas, you know, the real leading indicators are like phone calls, you know, mortgage applications, open house traffic, yep. contracts being written last weekend. So, you know, trying to keep up with that kind of data. And then the other thing I'll say, which really trips Austin up, uh, which kind of feeds the, the the noise, is that, look, we were in all the headlines in the pandemic is the hottest market. And the second it turned negative, we were in all the headlines as the market crashing the most, you know? And so, but what mm -hmm. happens is those articles kind of linger around Then you get the YouTube people creating videos that oh, are man. You know, going to lose 50% of the value, you know, all this the worst. stuff. And that drives phone calls to yeah. us and we have to kind of unwind whatever they thought they learned. And so, you know, I think it's just, it, it, it was not a great market. I wouldn't call it a crash, but I would definitely call it a correction. Uh, and I would say the pandemic was clearly a massive run up. I think now the story is going to actually go back to more traditional, traditional, yeah, average the market. And we're moving into that phase that will feel for sellers in the market, it'll feel okay. It's not mm -hmm. going to be amazing, but I think for most sellers, it's going to feel okay. And I think for most buyers, that are reading the articles, hoping they're going to steal something. Those that, that window might be closing. Uh, I think for the you know the stuff where you find the desperate sellers. I don't think we're going to see as many in this year as we did last year. I think if you want to hit that window, you probably need to act incredibly quickly, and we probably need to publish this podcast pretty quickly. Yeah. So you, you talked yeah. about leading indicators. So I have a team of four agents here in Austin. You know, we were doing open houses October, November, December. We get one person through. It was it was depressing if you're hosting the open house. You get one person through. Maybe they're yeah. just checking out the house. They're a neighbor. We did a, a bunch of, of open houses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had a couple open houses this last weekend. We had 10 plus parties come through. That's more normal. You know, it's not crazy. It sounds like a huge increase. And then if you look at this data, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, you absolutely can watch this on YouTube. We've been showing some stats and data. Uh, <clears throat> you can see mortgage applications for the last year here. You know, they went way down. Now they're they're going back up. And you can kind of follow that data where th those are some of the leading indicators of mortgage applications and open houses and you know, like like Ryan says, a lot of this other stuff lags. So if we're looking at if we're looking at the uh, the closed sales and the price data, that kind of stuff, it's a lagging indicator. But you know, you talk to mortgage loan officers, you talk to realtors, they're gonna they're gonna give you some more accurate data. You want to talk to somebody who's uh, straightforward because everybody tends to have a little bit more optimism. Of course, it, it's your well-being, you know, it's your living. If you're a realtor, you're a lender, you're probably going to say, yeah, things are great. You know, things are going good. You're trying to be optimistic. But if you want data, talk to people like Ryan and I that are in the trenches that are doing these things. And we can tell you, hey, you know, we've been 
We've been getting people in open houses. We've been getting a lot of calls of people wanting to buy and sell. I was actually talking to some of my team today. And uh, Connor on my team said, hey, I had a lot of people that reached out last June and suddenly just popped back up and said, hey, we're looking for a house again. You know, they they gave up or they threw in the towel. But what, what we need to remember when we're looking at the real estate market is that if I want to buy a home to live in, I just bought this home I live in. But if I want to buy a home to live in, that's something I want to do for an emotional reason. It's not a strictly financial reason. And investing isn't either. You're kidding yourself if you say, oh, I'm just about the numbers. Well, there's an emotional reason behind why you want to hit those numbers. But eventually, we're going to make a move. We're going to say, I want to buy that house or I want to buy that investment. And you know, that that will come to, they took a year off. What felt like last year, it seemed like everybody took a year off. And now everybody's saying, hey, I, I've been waiting. Looks like things are getting better. I'm ready to go again. I think, Ryan, I'm like you. I don't think it's going to be a rocket ship. I think we're going to see 2 3 4 5% appreciation this year. And that's okay. I think, you know, too, you know, I listened to just like you, all the podcasts, you know, there's tons of podcasts out there. I listen to a lot of the guys talking about the commercial space too. And so, you know, Austin's going to have some supply compared to some markets. I think we'll have more housing choice than you're probably seeing in some markets, which is good if you're a buyer. Uh, I think we have more new construction still than many markets. Uh, mm -hmm. You go into the suburbs, there are still tons of new developments. Kyle. You go down uh, to Kyle, yeah, Kyle Leander. and Georgetown and Leander. I mean, they're still yeah. building a ton of neighborhoods up there. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of growth. So the demand is still coming. If you read all the articles, you know, we still have huge population growth, huge job growth. But we also have a lot of construction. I mean, we're building a lot of homes. We're building downtown towers still. Yeah. Uh, we're building a lot of apartment complexes. And so, you know, rents are kind of a different conversation, too. We had rents go up during the pandemic, but they kind of were flat in 2020. They were flat in 2023 for a different reason. And I think that was supply. Uh, there was just a lot of supply of rentals on the market. But, you know, if you look longer term, what's going to happen is all this new construction is going to kind of finish out. There's probably not a lot of people with higher interest rates developing new projects. So there's going to be a, a little lag maybe in mm -hmm. two or three years when they yeah. don't build new apartments and they don't build another office tower and they don't build another subdivision because they didn't want to fund it now, you oh. know, with the higher rates. And that will, that's when you're really going to see, I think, the pop. I know several people whose uh, multifamily construction projects just essentially got taken out because right. of the interest rates shooting up. So, you know, we're talking about interest rates at eight, nine percent. Those construction financing for multifamily was 12, 13, 14 percent. Like sometimes you just can't yeah. make the numbers work there and the deals right. are just gone. So the commercial, we're not going to talk about that too much, completely different space. But I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, part of the reason I'm excited or was excited to invest this last year I'm excited to invest this year. I, I want to invest when other people are not. So, and one reason is when the interest rates are high, like we just talked about, it's really hard to make a deal work. But if you can make a deal work at that high interest rate, and you're of the belief that interest rates are going to go down over time, even if it's one, two, three percent, that deal's going to look a lot better when that rate goes down. So we bought 
a couple investment properties last year between my partner and I. And the last one we closed is at an 8.25% rate. And we actually thought we got a really good deal at 8.25 at the time. It should have probably been closer to eight and a half, nine. Um, but when that rate goes down to six and a half, that deal, it worked at 8.25. It's going to look really awesome at six and a half. And I think that's a one, one way you have to look at things. When you're buying these higher interest rate times, your rate might be a seven and a half, eight for an investment property. But if you're buying something you could add value to that the numbers work at right now, but just barely, probably going to look really good when the rates go down to six and a half, six percent. Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. You know, we we saw a big shift, too, in the type of investors that we were working in. I mean, when the pandemic was rolling and everything was 3% interest rates, we had lots of buy and hold, Everybody. you know, just long-term buy and hold rental mm -hmm. buyers. And of course, that got a lot harder to do a long-term buy and hold as the rates went up. But what switched, though, is we actually ended up with a lot more house hackers, right? And this is mm -hmm. something you preach, too, is that okay, here's your window. Like you're not competing with those investors anymore. You can walk right into yeah. those duplexes, you know, go use the FHA loan, go use the programs that like you would not have won a deal in yeah. 2020 <laughs> or 2021 or spring 2022 with an FHA loan. But the second all the investors kind of moved off to the sidelines, it let all the young clients that want to come buy, you know, that duplex, live on one side, short-term rental or long-term rental, the other unit or fix it up. You know, that really, I think, has spurred that group in there. Not everybody wanted to do it, like you said, because of the rates, but the ones that did really understood, hey, man, if I can get that deal now and I can get in when nobody wants to get it, I can get concessions from the seller to help me with my interest rate program or do the repairs, you know, do you know, fix a roof, do things like that. Mm -hmm. Then when rates do come down, I own that duplex and I get to refinance down and I get to make the debt look better. And that's when the duplex is going to get more attractive because then people will be able, you know, to possibly cash flow it again or get it closer to cash flow. You'll see more of those investors come back. So I think the the house hacking group has really, if they if they were wearing the right hat, they took good advantage. I think of the last twelve months or so. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think you know, just to wrap up, you know, I think that we should uh, wrap up here. Is the the point is, so we went through 18, 19 months of prices going down. We went through a while of very slow buyer demand. I personally think the, the bottom has passed. So don't feel bad if you didn't get in on that. You Nobody ever is able to time anything. Of course, when things look the gloomiest, it's hardest to act. And when things start to look up like they are now, it gets easier to act. But then more people act, of course. But that doesn't mean you still can't find a great deal at any time. You know, it might get a little more difficult. That's okay. Uh, still take advantage of stuff like the interest rate buy downs paid for by the seller when you can get them. I don't know that they make a lot of sense to pay for yourself. Obviously, run those numbers with your lender. 
But if you can get a seller to pay for anything, get your interest rate down temporarily. And then, Brian, I didn't know this. When you get a 2-1 buy down, they put that in escrow, and then they credit it back towards the per the sorry the loan balance if you refinance. That blew my mind, and that's what I did here and didn't know it when I did it. It's another bonus. So yeah, but you know, it's prepaid. So yeah. it's 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 money in the it's money there. It's their money there, which is the best their way. Their money to do it. there. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> exactly a great way right. to do it. But yeah, I think. You know, if if you're a seller, it, the market is going to get better and better. Again, we just put six under contract for sellers in the last week and a half, um, two in multiple offers. So buyers are showing back up. If you're a buyer, uh, probably sooner rather than later. And, you know, take advantage of these high interest rates, get your rate bought down for a little bit and get a better price right now. I think just be prepared too on both sides. We're getting back to normal. And back to normal means we're going to have a spring. Spring, we're yeah. going to have more buyer demand. But we're also going to have more inventory. And so it's going to work for both sides. It's not going to be runaway you know, pricing. It's not going to be crazy, crazy multiple offers on every deal. But the good stuff, the well-priced listings, the, the good showing listings, you know, those could sell a lot faster than we saw in the last few years. And at the same time, if you're a buyer, you still have some ability to negotiate with some sellers because they're not all going to sell the first weekend. There's going to be stuff that's still going to take a couple months uh, to trade in the market. And those are ones that you can have better conversations with those owners if you need to get some repairs done or you need to get some closing cost credits or a price. And so I like that. You know, I don't I think Jordan and I are done. I think we're kind of done with the too hot, too cold. I'm ready for kind of. Normal. Back to normal. Call it yeah. 2018, 2019. A nice, mm -hmm. good, steady market where, you know, the good, you, you have to price things well and you, you you have to, you know, make fair offers to sellers. You know, I think we're getting back to that. And that's what I would preach to both sellers and buyers right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, no matter what, make the right decision for you at the right time for you. I know I, I am generally always a buyer. I only sell when I need to sell and put that money to work somewhere else, but I'm always trying to buy real estate. If you're a buyer out there right now, make the decision that makes sense for you. And just know that with real estate, time is on your side. So we will look back at this podcast. The great thing about recording this is we could be completely wrong. We might be right on some stuff. And there's there's no way to know. We will know in a year from now what what we talked about today is it right? Is it wrong? And, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. Things happen. There was a presidential election this year. Things tend to happen during the presidential election years. We might see rates go down faster than we thought. You know, who knows? It may not be a headwind. Who knows? Yeah. That could be yeah. a tailwind uh, if people want to get in the market if rates are coming down. So, you know, I, I'm bullish on Austin. I think the data still supports Austin as a fast-growing city in the u.s with the jobs with population with mm. growth and so it's, it's got it's gonna have some speed bumps but typically austin has not lost value in any 10-year period in its history so go back any 10 years from any date and austin's gone up in value so if you're a keeper you know if you're a long-term investor or a long-term owner of a property you're going to do pretty well i mean and mm. only in the rarest of times the last call it 18 19 months have some people from the peak gone down in value but over even if they decide to keep that property for a couple more years odds are they'll be back 
yeah. and be in good shape. So that's that's kind of always my one question to everybody is, are you keeping it at least three years? If your answer is no, you're really flipping that property. You're moving yep. into kind of a speculative mode. But if you're keeping it, you can you get to play the rates. You get to play rent increases. You get to play uh, with the property improvements and growth in the market and let the, you know, people have been talking about Samsung out in Taylor, you know, and I get those calls all the time. Well, they announced it three years ago. They're still building it. It's going to yeah. take another year and a half to finish. Yeah. These projects take time. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a long-term person, you got to let this stuff play out. Tesla came to town. They're just now getting up to full production. So, yeah. you know, that's a four or five year story. So if you are bullish, you've got to have that long-term view. And if you have the long-term view, I think you're making a good pick. Absolutely. And let's just end on this. So I, I recently saw some of this data. Texas was the fastest growing state in the country the last last year. Austin is, again, the fastest growing metro in the country. Um, like Ryan said, there's a lot of stuff that takes time, and now it's coming to fruition. And then we actually had the fastest GDP growth in the country, too. So things are good here in Texas. I think we've got a, a long way of things getting better. And, you know, hold on for the long term. Until then, Jordan and I will be eating barbecue and hanging out. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate you coming on here. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it.